Here we go. Hey, girl. You just tuned into the Britney Smith Podcast. You're tuned in because either you're an entrepreneur, a mama, or both. And sometimes you just need a minute to, well, just be. And on this show, you'll get a lovely mixture of business and branding genius, faith and motivation. And if you're a mama, you understand conversations. Because let's be honest, we are fabulously multifaceted and amazing. So... Thanks for popping by. I'm really glad you're here. Girl, let's get into it here on the Britney Smith Podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Britney Smith Podcast. I am your host, Brittany N. Smith, and I am excited. I'm amazed. I am elated. All those adjectives to be here today. Um, it's funny because my shirt, you can't really see it. It says, nope, not today. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the topic that we're going to talk about today, um, it kind of ties in because there are going to be days where you're like, nope, not today. Um, and you have to make the decision to show up or not show up. And so I'm here because you ladies mean the world to me and I need this conversation. You'll find out why in a minute, but I think we all need this conversation. So let's all lean in. I have my new friend, Claire. She is from Seattle, Washington, and she is going to share some of her story with us. And we're going to talk about um, seven areas of our life that we can prioritize for being just like an optimal existence, that we can be productive, that we can have joy, that we cannot be time poor, so that we can just live our most authentic and aligned life possible as women in business, as women who wear many hats, all the things. And for those of you who are only listening and not watching, Claire has on this cheetah print cardigan thing and I'm digging it. So if anybody, you know, wants to get me anything for Christmas, cheetah print, anything all the time. <laughs> Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love doing these podcasts and I love talking to people like you. I mean, we need to get our voices out there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Claire, so tell us in a nutshell who you are, um, what you do and why you're qualified to talk to us about these seven areas that we can prioritize to live an optimal life. Yeah, totally. So I call myself an author, speaker, and flow expert. And mm -hmm. I've really landed in that area because I'm now on my fourth business of my own. I started entrepreneurship back in 2014 was nice. my first business. And it was a retail store, brick and mortar, devoted to local goods in the nice. West Seattle area. And I spent two years burnt out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. I was working 60 hours a week in this white brick and mortar space, trying to sell inventory that wasn't really selling. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and I was the only one working, too, because I couldn't afford to hire people to help me in the shop. And so I was because it's a retail store, you have to be there yeah. all day, every day, yeah. you know, and so forth. And after two years, I was done. I was burnt out. I was, oh my gosh, I ground myself into the ground, like, and I didn't have the adequate support structures to help me through this phase either. Like even on the personal side of my life, my roommate bailed on me in the middle of all of it. Oh, and I had yeah. her half of the rent as well. 
And it was just a really crazy time in my life. And I ended up getting depressed and exhausted and burnt out as one does. (laughs) Right, right, right. And so coming out of that, I was like, man, there has to be a better way. So that's really what opened up my path to recognizing that personal development is really the foundation for business development. Mm. Like they're really one in the same at the end of the day, because your business is you. And I always joke that when you become a business owner, when you become an entrepreneur, like your, it's the fastest path to identifying your shadows and your room for improvement. And my gosh, because it gets put on a pedestal. You're like, I have these flaws and everyone knows it now. That's a, that's a great way to put that, that when you choose business, when you choose the entrepreneurial life, you're literally putting your shadows out. You're like bearing your soul, like this is me. And I don't, I don't think that there's anything that we can do to prepare for that, right? Like there's just nothing you can do. And you can tell us from your experience um, to try to help us get prepared, but you will not really scratch the surface until you're in it yourself. It's like, having a baby. It's like riding a bike. Like I can tell you, put your foot on the pedal and try to keep your balance. But until you do it, Mm -hmm. you just don't know. Yeah. And what you're speaking to, like one of my favorite phrases over the years is imperfect action is always better than perfect inaction. Yeah. Wait for when you're fully prepared for something, do it. You're already too late. Oh my gosh. You've already missed the train. And so- the juicy growth that we experience as business owners, as entrepreneurs is in that difficult growth space. And that's part of the journey. And you have to learn to love that part of the journey more so than avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Repress it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got to lean into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I ended up finding the neuro leadership Institute because after I, shut down the store. I pivoted into more business advisory roles for other small businesses in the area. And one of these businesses, I was really helping them with leadership skill development because as most business owners and entrepreneurs, they didn't have business skills. They right. were really good at what they were good at, Come on. yeah, but they weren't a business leader because they'd never trained to become a business leader. Yeah. And Definitely. so it was my, go ahead. No, I was going to say there's a difference. There's a difference between selling the thing and managing the operation. That's all I was going to say. (laughs) Exactly. And also just delivering the thing. Like if you become like, say you're a really good carpenter and you're like, I want to create a carpenter business. You're really good at carpentry, but there's finances, there's marketing, there's operations, there's all kinds of other things that you either have to learn or hire out. Right. Um, And so I was helping this particular company with leadership skill development because I had done a lot of research in this area with my own businesses. And that's when I came across the Neuro Leadership Institute. And I absolutely fell in love with our research when I first found it because most leadership skill development advice is anecdotal. Mm -hmm. It's observational. It's like, well, this leadership skill worked for me. It might work for you. Right. And so what the Neuro Leadership Institute does is it actually takes neuroscience to underline leadership skill development. So it's like cold, hard facts to support all of these soft skills that we need as a leader. And that's when I came across their framework called the Healthy Mind Platter. And this is the seven areas that we're talking about today. 
And it's basically these areas of your life that you have to prioritize in order to feed your brain what it needs throughout the week in order to achieve that optimal productivity, innovation, creativity, whatever you want, joy, wellness. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's awesome. So um, first, I love all things leadership. Um, I am in leadership at my church. Um, and so and I've been in leadership for a couple of years now, worked my way up different levels of leadership. And so I love all things leadership. Like I like nerd out about it all the time. Um, so I'm really interested to hear some examples of um, the neuro leadership approach versus the I guess the, the idea or the school of thought that's out there, like, can you kind of give us some examples of the differences between the two? Totally. So neuroleadership is really underlined by hard scientific studies. So they use fMRI studies like fMRI brain scans. They use psychological studies and it's all peer reviewed, double tested research. And so they found that when they, it's really this lens of looking at how humans behave in social scenarios, Mm -hmm. specifically in workplaces. And so for example, these seven areas, like let's take social time, for example, social time is one of the seven areas and our brains are evolutionarily wired for social connection, specifically positive social connection, because Back in the day when we were cavemen running around, like we needed to stick with our tribes. Otherwise we would get eaten by a saber tooth tiger. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so our brains really need this nourishing social connection time in our day-to-day lives in order to feel safe, in order to feel productive, in order to have those baseline needs met because our brains register social pain the same way they register physical pain. Oh my. So if you go through a breakup, someone breaks your heart, your body is going to respond the same way as it would if you broke your leg. Oh my goodness. And so we need to be very aware of where we're experiencing social pain in our lives so that we can minimize it so that our bodies aren't constantly in reaction mode because that triggers all kinds of chemical responses. Sure. Like adrenaline's going to spike, all of your stress hormones are gonna spike, like cortisol, you're gonna feel like crap. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, And so by being aware of that, we can diminish the potential harmful effects that we get from those kinds of social situations. Yeah, no, that's a great example. Um, And again, I'm thinking from a ministry perspective, because that's where I deal with people and lead people and stuff like that. And we always harp on community and getting connected and all of that. And I, I don't, well, I know that people don't make that connection, you know, that your social pain, literally your body responds as if it were physical pain. And so you have people who are going through all of those negative feelings and, and, consequences or symptoms rather, um, not realizing that some of that could be solved or cured, if you will, by a good hangout. Yeah. Totally. You know, like that's, that's like, that's golden, right? Yeah. So even if we're talking to entrepreneurs, even using that as an example, like, let's say I'm speaking to female coaches and I'm trying to get them to, you know, uh, you know, come to my branding something, right? I can say, hey, listen, I know you're drained. I know you're tired, but listen, come out to this hangout or come out to this space where we can, you know, be friends and whatever. 
bringing that social piece in could solve some of the angst and things that they're feeling in their business and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Because how many of us entrepreneurs miss our social life? Yes. You and know, <laughs> it's one of the first things we give up. Yeah. Like sleep is number one. That's the number yeah. one thing that we give up. But social time is also one of the things that we give up because we think we're going to be more productive if we do so. When really it's the complete opposite. Ooh. So what you're saying is I should go to bed right now. <laughs> I mean, I am a huge fan of sleep. Sleep is actually one of the seven areas as well. And I've always been a huge sleeper. Like I, <laughs> I routinely sleep nine plus hours a night. That's beautiful. I need it. I yeah. like, I'm not functional. <laughs> I don't get it. And it's, yeah, it's just, I love sleep. So I'm always a fan for nap. <laughs> oh, like, yes, go nap. I'm here for it. Yeah. Naps. I mean like day naps for me, like, you know, because I have littles and all these different things going on, like I try to get everybody out the house during the day so that I'll work until like one thirty. Mm-hmm. and then take a nap mm-hmm. and it's like the best sleep ever put the fan over me and just and you feel so recharged and energized when you when you come out of that so you mentioned these seven areas let's let's dive into what oh. these seven areas are give us examples like mm-hmm. go in <laughs> yeah so I started out with connecting time so there are seven areas divided into three different categories so okay the first category is social needs and so that includes connecting time but it also includes play time So that means scheduling time to play, explore, experiment, have fun. Um, And one of the examples that we can use for that is play in all of the animals in the animal kingdom. Play contributes to the release of dopamine in the brain, Mm -hmm. which is super helpful chemical like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Those are the good chemicals in the brain. And those are the kind of chemicals that you want to be intentional of generating on a daily basis. Because those contribute to creativity, those create to innovation, happiness in general. Um, But also play provides us with an opportunity to interact with potentially stressful situations in a non-threatening environment. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, take a board game. You are competitive in a board game. You are playing against other characters you might like get really into it, or you might have these conflicts that are happening between the different characters, but it's not a threatening environment. Right. It's like the decisions that you're making in the game aren't going to affect your real life. Right. And, but it gives your brain the chance to practice making mm-hmm. those decisions so that when you do experience stressful situations in the real world, you're more prepared to. That's so good. Like think about how animals like cats or dogs teach their babies how to fight. Mm -hmm. That's the play response. So that when they do go out into the nature, like cats out in the yard, they know how to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the importance of play is just kind of like practicing in stressful, non-threatening environments. So that we're more prepared later on. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yes, I am. So social time, play time. Mm-hmm. And what was the other one in this? Well, that, that's the one, one category. The next category is physical needs. And so that's sleep time and physical time. And so that's gotcha. basically exercise. 
because when we do move our bodies, it doesn't have to be cardio. It doesn't have to be weightlifting. Like it can be yoga. It can be walking. It can be dancing. Dancing is actually one of my favorite physical time activities. I actually have a um, end of day ritual that I often do for myself where I do a little dance party by myself in my apartment to kind of shake off the energies of the day. Yeah. Um, So it's really, it doesn't have to be an exercise routine. It's more or less just moving your body. But when you do, your brain produces this awesome chemical called BDNF. And it's basically miracle grow for your brain. And so it primes your brain to make new neural connections so that you can learn better. You can retain information better. You are more behaved. Um, They've done a bunch of studies with elementary, middle school, and high school kids where if they put PE at the beginning of the day, test scores improve, behaviors improve, learning improves. There's just like better general wellness overall in schools. So physical time is super important. I love that. And it's so funny because as you were saying that I'm thinking about my daughter who's five Mm -hmm. and how she always is like, she's always running around, always moving and all these things. She's like, mommy, come play with me. And I'm like, okay, here I come. But, um, but it's good. It's good for us. And I like that you said too, that it doesn't have to be some hardcore weightlifting situation. Like put on your favorite song, dance for 10 minutes. Like I used to be a Zumba instructor. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I've carried those skills. Like I will put on my favorite playlist and I'll do, you know, pretend I have a a thousand people behind me doing, (laughs) doing Zumba. And like you said, it's fun. Um, you're sweating, but you don't feel stressed out. You're really releasing a lot. So I think that's, that's major. That's major mm-hmm. for sure. So we yeah. have social, we have physical. What's the next one? Yes. Cognitive. So we're talking about mental needs now. All right. So there's three in this category. The number one is called downtime. And so that's pretty much daydreaming. That's mm-hmm. letting your mind wander in no particular direction. And mm-hmm. this doesn't mean watching TV. It doesn't mean scrolling on your phone. It doesn't mean like having a conversation with a friend. It's basically just following your thoughts wherever they go and not intentionally controlling where your thoughts are at the moment. So like a lot of people find this when they're gardening. A lot of people find this when they're showering. A lot of people find this actually when they're driving because it's become Mm -hmm. such an autopilot activity that it frees up your brain to then just wander and daydream. And what it causes in the brain is called diffuse cognitive processing And so that means we tap into all of the different areas in our brain simultaneously Mm. instead of focusing on one area at a time that happens when you're focusing on one thing in particular. So this is the perfect brain space for insight. This is where you get aha moments. This is Eureka moments because you're connecting things that haven't been connected before. Right. And so this is where you get new solutions. You, this is where you get new ideas. This is where you get creativity. It's a really juicy space that a lot of people don't devote time to. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And then what's the other? So we have downtime. And time then- in is the next one. And so that's okay. in, intentional internal self-reflection. So a lot of people use meditation, journaling, or prayer for this kind of stuff. And it's basically taking stock of your internal sensations, your internal feelings, internal thoughts, internal beliefs, assumptions, and this creates Mm self-awareness. And this is going to put a space between your automatic knee-jerk reaction to a situation and your thoughtful response to a situation. Mm. Because your knee-jerk reaction is probably going to be problematic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's going to be reactive. It's going to be inflammatory. Most of the time it's going to be volatile. And yeah. so by having this self-awareness practice, you are allowing yourself to be more thoughtful in your responses and right. more intentional in your responses. Awesome. No, I love that. Um, and, and, you know, when you talk about that, again, if we're talking to entrepreneurs, oftentimes we come to major decisions in our business, whether or not to move forward with something, maybe we dealt with a testy customer, all these different types of things. And you're right. Like sometimes you just need to take a chill pill and go on and and drive somewhere, have that cognitive time, have that, that, you know, tune in time and then come back and revisit it. Maybe yeah. you need to even go dance a little bit, like get it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of, then, yeah. One of my perfect it. examples of this is being hangry. Mm, yeah. Because if we make decisions when we're in a hangry state, there are going to be bad decisions. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so we need to like check in with ourselves and be like, oh, I need to go eat something <laughs> before I make this decision. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, Let's keep and it And then going. the final one is called focus time. And so this is when you are really focusing on something in particular. And this is what's going to create flow state. So flow state occurs when competence meets challenge. Mm. So it means that the task that you're working on, you're not too competent at it, but you're not too challenged by it either. So it creates this flow state where you literally lose track of time because mm. you're so engrossed in the activity because it's engaging you in such a juicy way that right. you lose track of time. And our brains love this space, but we can only hold focus for 20 minutes at a time. Oh my our brains can only hold focus on one thing for 20 minutes. And so is that where uh, we lose that for those of us who think we're multitasking, right? Like there's no such thing as multitasking. We just, we switch really fast. Um, And so then there's no flow state and we're not getting anything done because we're not focused. Hi, my name is Brittany and I'm not focused. (laughs) Exactly. And it takes an extraordinary amount of energy in your brain to multitask. Yeah. Like think about when your computer or your laptop is trying to open a really big file and the fan kicks on and it's like, yeah, that's your brain when you're multitasking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And our computer is much better at it than we are. (laughs) Yeah. And so you're going to exhaust yourself so much more quickly than if you do 20 minutes on five minutes off, 20 minutes on five minutes off. That's it's called actually the Pomodoro technique and yes. there's Pomodoro timers out there Absolutely. that you can download on your phone. So, um, so much and so forth, but, um, that's how our brains work. And if we are aware of that, then we can be more productive in the long term. So let me ask you this with this technique, right? One, is it something that you were always like naturally better at, or did you have to really like, what are some ways we can, cause help. Yeah. So I was not always good at this. I I used to be a chronic multitasker as well. And I still do slip into multitasking every now and then. I'm not perfect. (laughs) Um, But the one thing that has really helped me with all of these areas really, but specifically focus time is time blocking my calendar. Mm. And I do it in advance and I've really created this sense of self-trust. So for example, my calendar for today says that I have these specific time blocks 
And instead of sitting down and deciding what these time blocks are for, or if these time blocks are important and making all of those micro decisions today, I can just trust that past Claire already made those decisions. So I'm just going to do the thing. Mm. Like whatever my Google calendar tells me to do, I'm just going to do it because I trusted that past Claire knew what she was doing when she set it up that way. (laughs) I love that. And so I don't have to worry about whether this particular task is important or whether it is a priority for me for that day. I don't have to go through that decision-making process because we have a limited decision amount every day. Right. Decision fatigue is a real thing. Our brains literally get tired at the end of the day because of all the decisions that we've made. Oh my goodness. And this is why like Steve Jobs and a lot of other people wear the same thing every day because they don't want to waste their decision-making capacity on what they wear for the day. Yes. They want to use their decision-making capacity for what matters. Right, right. There's a book called Uncluttered and it's by... Courtney Ellis, I can see you over there. Um, And that's literally one of the things that she talks about is, you know, one year she decided that she was only wearing black and gray or something. And Mm -hmm. so everything in her closet was black and gray. She didn't have to worry about what was going to match or anything like that. And it took away that stress of figuring out what to wear, especially as a woman. Like we, Mm -hmm. we use up energy on what to wear and how we're going to look. Um, You know, same thing with food. You know, she was like, we eat to fuel our bodies. We're supposed to eat to fuel our bodies, but we want to like it and indulge and all that. So when we want to indulge, we're trying to figure out what we want, what we have a taste for. Mm. When really, if you eat your protein, eat your fruit and vegetable, have some water, you could literally have the same thing every day and be okay. Yeah, totally. you know, but we have too many choices. Too many. Yeah, options. I mean, I have the same lunch every single day. Like yeah. I have a salmon salad because I mm. love salmon salad. It has. <laughs> the protein has the vegetables. It has the fats that I need and I don't need to think about it. I just make the salad. And that's actually where I get a lot of downtime in as well, because I'm automatically doing it. It's an autopilot activity to make my salad every day. Yeah. So I'm not wasting decisions in this lunchtime space. So where did that shift for you? Because I know that that was a transition, right? Like, did you just like make a decision and say, this is it? Or like, no, it took me years. It took me years because I mean, we touched on this at the beginning is like, people can tell you to do these things, but you actually have to like experience it to figure out that it's actually worthwhile. So it took me probably about four years, five years to really fully implement all of these seven areas. And I had to do it piecemeal too. Mm -hmm. Like I actually started out with time in and physical time. I was like, all right, so I'll go to the gym twice a week and make sure that that's just a automatic routine for me. So I'm again, not wasting decision-making capacity. I do the same exercise routine. Every time I go to the gym, I go to the same gym at the same time on the same days, because I don't want to waste my decision-making capacity on like, do I want to do yoga today? Do I want to do weights today? Do I want to do cardio today? And so I just kind of streamlined these processes for me. And again, my Google calendar, I just do whatever it tells me to. Yeah. So I will time block these things out. And then there's always review periods that I build in. And so I do a review period every week where I look at my schedule and be like, is this actually serving me? If it's not, then I'll change the time blocks accordingly. 
Right. And, and so before we move on to the next one, I just want you to know that this is totally challenging every ounce of my being <laughs> because you're talking about things that I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you're saying, people tell us, oh, you should eat right. Oh, you should go to sleep at a certain time. Oh, you should time block your schedule. Oh, you should, you know, prioritize being organized so that all the different parts of your life can work together in harmony and unison. I know. Okay. I know, (laughs) but it, there's, there's something, there's a disconnect somewhere where maybe it is today. Brittany wants to be in control. You know, and so past Brittany, yeah, she put that thing on the calendar, but she's not the boss of me. <laughs> like, there, there's so many like there, there's there, it's challenging me. But I also know that future me wants to be in a certain place. Yeah. Future me wants to make six and six and seven figures in her business while being a present mom and a present wife and a present minister in the church and all these different things. And in order for future Brittany to have those things and have that life and not be back crazy from, you know, as a result, present Brittany has to do what past Brittany told her to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's, it's, this is, this is good. This I is mean, good. It's that's where the self-trust comes into play. Yeah. Because exactly. you have to make friends with past Brittany. Yes. You have to make friends with future Brittany. Yes. Because you are the one controlling it. Yes. Like you're basically fighting against yourself. In these yes. Scenarios. And I love that you brought that up because a lot of people do come out of these conversations with me thinking that it's a highly restrictive system or a highly restrictive concept. Like I get that pushback from a lot of creatives. They're like, well, yes. sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like doing my time block schedule. Yeah, today. man. And so I actually created a system called flexible time blocking instead. Mm, talk to me. So <laughs> Because life happens. Mm-hmm. Your kid breaks their leg. Your dog eats something in the yard that they're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life happens, you know? Right. And so I leave my de- decision-making capacity for those kinds of decisions. Right. So like, for example, I, I have gotten more into my creative output nowadays. I'm transitioning into authorship right now. And so I've had to kind of readjust my schedule to allow time for the creative process. Right. And what I found is that if you have these basic skeleton structures set up, then you can be more productive in the times that you do have time blocked. Right. So for example, one day I'll wake up and I'm like, look, I don't have the energy for everything that's on my schedule today. And so I'll just move the blocks to a different day. Mm-hmm. And that's the flexible portion of it. Sure, sure. And so that it doesn't fall off my schedule. I don't forget about it, but it still is on my list to do. Right. And if you find yourself rescheduling the same block over Ooh, and over You over probably over just again, don't even need that block. Just take the thing out. You know, you like. Can, yeah, you can look at it and be like, what is it about this block that I'm avoiding? Right. And that again, creates more self-awareness. Yeah. It's like, if I'm avoiding bookkeeping every single week, then I'm just going to hire a bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, yeah. You can make those decisions for yourself. Like, for example, I was um, talking to someone who told me, she was like, look, I have three kids going to three different schools. And she's like, I actually added up how much time every week I spend commuting them to places. Yeah. yeah. Eight hours a week. Oh, geez. Eight hours a week, she was spending in the car, transporting her kids from one place to another. 
And she was like, what am I supposed to do with these eight hours? And we talked about it. And I was like, well, what do you want to do with those eight hours? Like, do you want them to be productive? Like, A, you could consider hiring someone to chauffeur your kids around if you want that time back. If you want that time back to work on your, that's a small, that's a part-time job. Yeah. That's a whole work day. Yeah. You could spend eight hours helping clients to pay for the chauffeur that's chauffeuring your kids around. Yeah. Or what she decided to do was to reframe her idea of those eight hours. Mm -hmm. And so instead of thinking them as a chore that she's doing like to, for the sake of her kids, she started using it as connecting time. Yeah. And so she started using that as bonding time with each of these kids in the car. And so then they didn't need to shove in connecting time and bonding time in their like other busy hours of the day. Right. Right. And so it's really just reframing your intention with how you spend your time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, For me, something similar We lived very close to our church and to our husband, my husband, our our husband, my husband's job um, back in January and we sold our house. So now we live with my parents as we're looking for another house, but we're 45 minutes away from where our life was or is. Um, And so there's a lot of drive time now. I'm probably spending a good, excuse me, six hours a week, bare minimum driving. Mm-hmm. Um, to and from. And so I've decided to take that time as I'm listening to podcasts or I'm listening to audiobooks. Yeah. I've gotten through more audiobooks this past summer than I have in my entire life. Oh. And it's really been exciting for me because I'm like, wow, I'm learning a lot. And I don't feel like I'm shoving things into my schedule or trying to force myself to take in information. Because oh. like you said, driving is that that downtime. Mm-hmm. So I'm really able to soak in more while I'm driving because I'm not really focused on anything else. Um, You know, so that that's awesome. And the other thing that you're really teasing out in this conversation is that the idea of self-care for us as entrepreneurs, as busy women is more than just go get a massage, go get a pedicure, go get your nails done. But thinking about this playtime now I'm like, what does playtime look like for me? Like Mm. getting back in touch with that part of ourselves, you know, like I'm looking forward to like, okay, maybe I should just go outside and do a cartwheel, you know, (laughs) you know, we have a trampoline in the back. Like maybe I'll just go on the trampoline by myself where the kids are not here, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love, I'm loving this. I'm Mm. loving this. I know we have what, like four more to do four more to hit seven total. So we covered them all. Oh, okay. 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 Got you. I understand. There was three areas, but the yeah. seventh fall yeah. into the so three two, areas. Two, three. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay. Awesome. So how do you help someone like this is their first time hearing any of this? Yeah. What would you say in terms of like where they should start mm-hmm. in implementing these seven areas of priority? I mean, you really got to start with an audit of your life, your schedule. That's really the fundamental place that we start. And I am spiritual and I do bring a lot of astrology concepts to what I do as well, because I believe that when we understand who we are at the core, whether that's your birth chart, whether that's your Enneagram, whether that's your Briggs Meyer, you know, you have to understand like where you're starting from. And how you express yourself in order to understand why you choose to spend the time that you have the way you do. 
Right. So I always do a healthy mind platter assessment. Like what is your one to 10 scale of how well you're doing in these seven areas first and foremost, and how can we shift those or reframe those to work better for you? So for example, like exercise time, we talked about this earlier, like you don't have to love cardio. And if you're forcing yourself to do cardio every single week, like you're just going to be miserable. (laughs) So how can we make it a more fulfilling activity for you more so than like a punishing activity? Yeah. Yeah. Like drudgery. Like I have to do this. And for me, I would run, you know, but running was just, especially like after having two kids, I'm heavier than I've ever been. And I feel every ounce of it when I hit the pavement with my feet, mm-hmm. you know? And so I um, discovered bike riding mm-hmm. and I'm like, yo, like, where has this been all my life? Like, it's not as stressful on my body. The wind, you get the fresh air. I get to go eight or nine miles and not feel like I've went eight or nine miles. I listen to my audiobooks, mm-hmm. So it really is a rejuvenating experience for me. And it's cardio. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Zumba and, and dance yeah. fitness. Like it's yeah. fun. Like I get to be yeah. sexy. I get to sweat, yeah. but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm working. Totally. Um, and so to your point, it's finding what works for you, mm-hmm. not what everybody else is doing. You know, we see on Instagram, Hey guys, just ran another 20 miles. Like, yeah, just because she's doing that doesn't yeah. mean that that's what you have to do totally. to get results for you. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I love you. I love that for free. I love you for freeing us in that, that space. Yeah, it's funny. What I offer my clients is presence and permission. Yeah. Like I'm present for whatever's going on because I'm not going to judge whatever is going on. If you haven't been to the gym in 10 years, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I also give you permission to find a workout routine that works best for you. If that means walking the dog, if that means yoga or bar or dancing, or like even like swimming, like there's all kinds of different ways that you can tap into physical time, but people feel so shamed and judged and these shoulds that we are, are forced upon us. Yeah. Often than not. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. This is really good. So just a quick recap, we have our social needs. We have our physical time and we have our cognitive category. Mm -hmm. Um, And then under social, we have social time and play time. Mm -hmm. We have under physical time, exercise and sleep. And then under cognitive, we have downtime, time in and focus. Mm -hmm. And so these are our seven areas that we can prioritize for living an optimal life or having an optimal experience. Um, and so ladies, my challenge for you, like, uh, like Claire said, first doing an inventory, where am I with these things? Because many of these things that you mentioned, Claire, are things that we have not paid attention to. Um, you know, we didn't know that they were a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you talk about the cognitive time and the time in, like we didn't put a, put a name on it. Right. And so now that we're aware of these things, we can now look at how we spend these times and how we feed ourselves in these different spaces. Um, but then ladies, once you do that, I want you to pick one area, mm-hmm. just start with one. Cause if you're like me, I'm like, all right, bet tomorrow I'm gonna hang out with my friend. I'm gonna <laughs> do a cartwheel. I'm gonna do a push up for my exercise. And then I'm gonna go take a nap and then I'm going to drive for a really long time. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because because I'm extra like that. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my inventory and then identify an area that I want to focus on mm-hmm. and try to be consistent in that area. And then once I feel like I've gotten the flow in that area, move on to the next area. And understanding too, like you said, giving yourself permission, like there's going to be ebbs and flows. Yeah. We're going to be in different seasons of our life. So like your playtime might look different in this season than it does in the next, like holiday season's coming. So all of these, all these things will probably shift again. But I think the the greatest benefit here is the awareness of it all. Yes. The more self-aware we can be, the more impactful we can be in the areas that we serve in, I think. Um, And then we can teach our children or we can teach our coworkers or we can teach our whoever we have influence over. We can teach them these things as well so that we can all come up um, Mm -hmm. a bit. So, Claire, listen, you've got my wheels turning. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to get off of here and do something. I'm going to time block something. I'm going to tell future Brittany I'm coming. Okay. (laughs) 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 Yes, yes. Um, So tell us how we can connect with you, um, what you have for us to take advantage of today. Like if we wanted to, to connect with Claire, how do we do that? Totally. Yeah. All of my links are on a link tree. So just go to link tree slash liminal clarity. I like to think, keep things easy for people. You can also find liminal clarity on most of the major platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think it's only Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at the moment, but I had a TikTok going for a while. (laughs) Um, And I also have a healthy mind platter assessment. So if you want the free assessment to really like break down these areas and really have that audit for yourself, I'm happy to provide that for you. Oh, yes. I think I need to do that ASAP. (laughs) I'm going to be definitely hopping on that. Claire, this was awesome. Thank you so much for helping us get our lives together. Okay. We all need a Claire in our lives because we can get crazy sometimes. (laughs) But um, ladies, listen, this was awesome. I jotted down some notes. I hope you jotted down some notes as well, Um, especially as we are going into a new year. It's already the end of 2022, basically. Um, And so, I think that having this kind of clarity in your life going into the new year, whether it is your business, whether it is your family, whether it is just your personal self-life, this is something I think would be a great benefit for you to kind of hone in on and lock into. So um, make sure you ladies share this episode. You know, you have that one friend that's out there running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Everybody sees her, but herself. Okay. And she needs this kind of recalibration. That's what we're going to call it. It's a recalibration for us to get really in tune with ourselves so that we can be our best selves. Um, So thank you again for tuning in. I will see you guys next week with another episode of the Brittany Smith podcast. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to leave a comment and then share this episode with another amazing lady who needs to hear today's show. Yes, girl, I'm serious. Just send her the link and say, girl, listen to this. Want to hang out with me every day? Head over to Facebook and join the Female Coaches, Consultants, and Content Creators group on Facebook. Or you can join my mailing list in the links below this episode. Girl, I enjoyed our conversation. Stay amazing and remember, you are loved, you are needed, and nobody, I repeat, nobody can do what you do the way you do it. See you next time on the Brittany Smith Podcast.